Disclaimer. The following episode may contain explicit descriptions of graphic violence, profound cursing, and discussions of certain topics which may be triggering for some individuals. Grab your cup of tea and let's get into it. Hey guys, this is B. This is Jay and welcome to Illuminati. The podcast which makes the menacing seem amusing. We chat about true crime, conspiracy theories and paranormal stories. If you like listening to us slowly lose our sanity, please don't forget to like our episodes and subscribe to us. And with that, let's get into today's episode. So this week on Illuminati, we're looking through one of the most famous and tragic losses of the 20th century, the death of Diana, Princess of Wales. And even though this case is technically solved, there are a lot of conspiracies surrounding it, which we will be covering today. Man, this death hit hard. Yeah, I mean, we weren't even alive for it still. It still hit hard. <laughs> The Honourable Diana Frances Spencer was born in Norfolk, England on July 1st, 1961. The youngest daughter of the Viscount and Viscountess Arthur and therefore a member of the British aristocracy, the Honourable Diana became Lady Diana when her father inherited the earldom in 1975. Lady Diana attended boarding school in Kent, then finishing school in Switzerland until 1978. Afterwards, Lady Diana moved into an apartment in London with some friends, going on to work as a kindergarten teacher at the Young England School. The Spencer family had known the royal family for years, and they and as they were neighbours in Norfolk. However, Diana and her future husband Prince Charles didn't get to know each other until November 1977. Lady Diana's sister, Lady Sarah, who had dated the prince on and off for a while, invited Charles to a weekend with her family. At the time, Lady Diana was 16 and Charles was 29. Weirdness about the age difference aside, Charles. Let's invited- not keep it aside. Let's bring it into the picture here. She is 16 and you're 29, and you've dated her sister. And then you marry her. Isn't that icky? <laughs> Is, is it just meek or does it seem perplexing that he would marry the sister of his ex-girlfriend? And who was 16, who were 10 years younger than Yeah, I mean, and the fact that she was like a teacher, that's just, it, sh- it shows a lot about her character, you know, like, she's a, technically a part of the aristocracy. And she lived in an apartment with her friends. You know, very uh, Princess Diary style. Yeah. So, for now, we're going to keep the age difference aside. Grudgingly. Yeah. Charles invited the two Spencer sisters to his 30th birthday in 1978, and the relationship between Lady Diana and the Prince grew. I don't know why. I don't either, honestly. 
on February 24, 1981, it was announced that the couple was engaged. Four months later, on July 29, 1981, the same month, Diana turned 20. They were married. Before their wedding, Diana could recall only having met with her husband 13 times. Less than a okay, should have known from the 13. You know. Me, you should have known from the thirteen. <laughs> That's about the age difference, right? <laughs> This is so weird. And then less than a year later, she gave birth to Prince William, and then Prince Harry. You all know how that went. Yeah, Prince Harry followed him to the U.S. after that. I feel bad for her. It is also very sudden. Like she's a mother at twenty-one. Yeah. And she, and she went from living with her friends and being a kindergarten teacher to a princess. It must have been a lot of pressure. I I don't know what you saw in him, lady, but I. While well, suddenly being thrust into princessdom is a lot to handle, especially for a 20-year-old with no princess experience, the royal family was reportedly relieved to have some youth in the mix to help revitalize their stodgy public image. It didn't. Your image is still stodgy, but continue. <laughs> princess Diana was adored by the public, famously given the nickname "the People's Princess" by former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair. She used her popularity to advocate and raise awareness for causes, for causes ranging from leprosy to domestic violence, from mental health to the AIDS crisis. Her constant display of compassion meant she was able to capture the adoration of the public in stark contrast to what was actually happening behind closed doors within the royal family. I hate the royal family. I genuinely do. The only person I ever liked was Diana. And that's because she wasn't like the royal family. Like no. Yes, sorry, they're technically not a part, so yeah. I didn't include them. They were at some point. I'ma let you have your freedom. <laughs> yeah, just everyone else just looks and acts so uptight, except for Charles. He just acts like an asshole, but. You know. I mean, it gets even weird after like, we go into the future later. Yeah, we know how this ends. And then after the, I mean, in the theories, you find out why I said because we. Yeah, we know how this ends. It doesn't end good. If it did, we wouldn't be here because we just really like to bum you out. Yeah. In a 1995 interview with the BBC, Princess Diana explained that quote, "Anything good I ever did, nobody ever said a thing, never said well done or was it okay. But if I tripped up, which invariably I did because I was new at the game, a ton of bricks came down on me." End quote. They didn't acknowledge her. Yeah. I mean, not acknowledge her, her like acknowledge her deeds. Yeah. Does something wrong and then it's a problem. <laughs> According to former royal correspondent for the Guardian, 
Stephen Bates, there was an um, Stephen Bates quote, there was an air of desperation about the marriage. The fact that least the fact that they scarcely knew each other was a big problem because the Royals were so desperate to seize this potential asset that they didn't question whether she was up to the immense pressure she was going to get. And Queen Elizabeth II reportedly thought Diana would find adjusting to royal life relatively easy as she had grown up in privilege. This, however, was not the case. Diana had gone from living in an apartment with friends to living in the Buckingham Palace practically overnight, and the change was drastic and isolating. Between Clearly, and- I mean. Yeah. You went from a kindergarten teacher to a princess. I mean, I don't know the queen, but she would have just Even if she did grow up in privilege, she was a teacher, right? And she was living with her friends. So. And she wasn't a princess, even though she grew up like that. Exactly. So, yep. I don't think anyone could adjust easily to that situation. Unless you're born like that. Between exercising and working on writing plans, Diana spent most of her post-engagement days sitting around bored and alone, the isolation contributing to a decline in her mental health. I can see why that happened. Yeah. Soon after moving into Buckingham Palace, Diana began to struggle with bulimia. She publicly spoke about the eating disorder in an interview with the BBC in 1995, saying, it quote, quote, you inflict it upon yourself because your self-esteem is at a low ebb and you don't think you're worthy or valuable, end quote. She spoke about it publicly. She's so inspiring. This case is moving and oh, it's too serious. To the public, Diana's struggles were largely invisible. Everyone wanted to believe in a perfect royal love story, so they did. So on Diana's wedding day, hundreds of thousands of well-wishers lined the route from Buckingham Palace to the Cathedral, hoping to catch a glimpse of the royal couple. The Archbishop of Canterbury commented that the wedding was, quote, the stuff of which fairy tales are made of. He was reaching. He, he, it's like he had to make, he had to comment on this and he, he didn't know what to do. So he's just like, stuff of fairy tales. A prince and a princess, a stuff of fairy tales. Meanwhile, Diana was suffering in therapy, making matters worse for the princess. The one person she would have obviously looked to for help inside the palace, Prince Charles, was proven to be less than adequate company. According to the princess, her eating disorder began to develop after Charles placed his hand on her waist and remarked, quote, a bit chubby here, aren't we? Unquote. A bit inbred, aren't we, Charlie? A bit entitled. A bit too entitled. A bit snobby, aren't we, Charlie? A bit too rude, mean, and that's... Yeah, Burnham. 
it's it's open rose season yeah what would you say that i don't know i don't know what's wrong with that man you're a 30 year old man saying this to get your all. life together get get it together what, what are you doing he said that to a 20 year old i'm assuming this happened before william was born so 20 we'll say yeah she's, assuming she's practically a child compared to you I mean, she is an adult. Like she's grown, but she's still young. Legally, she's yeah. adult, but she's still young, and people are like get influenced very easily. Stuff affects them very easily. Like we know. <laughs> It's so annoying. And then there's this dude. So now you're like thirty-something-year-old is commenting on the body of a twenty-year-old. Like first of all, you shouldn't be together. And yeah, and you really shouldn't comment on that. This is so weird. <clears throat> All jokes aside, that wasn't very gentlemanly of him. I mean, the first red flag was that they met when she was sixteen and he was twenty-nine, and then they were married. Forget that red flag. You dated her sister. <laughs> <laughs> What the heck? What went through his head? He was like, "Yeah, I'm getting sad." I'm with the wrong sister. I'm with the wrong sister. Got a swap. I'm just, I'm a swap real quick. What went through his sister's head? That her her family isn't even there in the picture. I know. This is just all very weird. So in a post-engagement interview, Prince Charles explained that he gradually realized that he would ask Diana to be his wife. And when asked if they were in love, Charles replied, "Quote, whatever in love means." Unquote. Whatever Charles believed love okay. to mean. I know you've had a rough childhood and an overall rough um, upbringing, but what does that mean? Whatever in love means. Did you not watch Hallmark movies or read really, you know, sappy books? That should give you a clear idea of what love is. I just don't know what to say. I hate this guy. You got to be careful. You know, he's the prince and all that. England might just close its doors for you. Oh no. Then I won't be able to meet Harry Styles in London. <laughs> right? Yes, you can't have that iconic, iconic scene. Then you know, you yeah. just go to the concert and he's singing, and you lock eyes. He has concerts in other places too. I can go there. Alright, so then it's open rose season. Nope. So. Whatever Charles believed, quote unquote, love to mean, he was apparently experiencing it with another woman, Camila Parker Bowles. Parker, I think I'm butchering her name. Camila Parker Bowles. 
<laughs> well, I don't like this chick, but continue. According to Diana's taped interviews with Andy Morton, Camilla and Charles had dated in the early 70s, but the royal family discouraged the prince from marrying her due to her less than sterling reputation, lack of family title, and love of another man. Nevertheless, their romantic relationship continued behind closed doors. Shocked. He did something even though his parents said no. If the royal family had just agreed to let them get married, Diana would have lived. Probably, I don't know. But then we might not have known Diana. That's better than her dying. True. I mean, True. William, Harry, Meghan. We wouldn't know any of those, but that's still better. I mean, then, we would know Megan because yeah. she's a pretty big actress, but yeah. William and Harry won't be there. But that's, I mean, with no offense to them, their life, but that's still better than Diana dying. But then, is it better than Diana inspiring hundreds of women right now? I mean, she's a she's a huge icon. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm like I'm not I'm not saying she should die. <laughs> That's not what I'm going at. I'm just saying that she's a pretty big icon. I feel and like she would have, I feel like she would have been a big influence even though she if she was at the royal. Yeah, because she just she just, she has just had that personality. Yeah. She just has that charisma. But anywho's the royal family didn't agree, so here we are sitting, discussing this. Yeah. So when Charles and Diana were married, the prince's relationship with Camilla was put on hold. I don't know what on hold means. You should have broken yes, up with her. Yes, it's, so, it's on hold. <clears throat> it's but, an application request. It's on hold. Yeah. She's been waitlisted. So, though Camila's influence over Charles continued, even though their relationship was on hold. Technically, of technically, since their relationship didn't end, the yeah. influence thing makes sense. Yeah. Shortly before her wedding, Diana found a personalized bracelet her fiancé had purchased for Camila. Throughout her honeymoon, her new husband wore cufflinks given to him by his partner. You know, I genuinely have this question. Why did she marry him? Like, she knew about this stuff before the marriage. Why did you still continue? I mean, we don't know what, I mean, we have a lot of information here, but we still don't have all of the information. The right information. We just have, like, gaps. Do we know if she was pressured into saying yes to the marriage? We don't know. I mean, I don't think she was pressured to I say yes because then they get divorced. So yeah, but I mean, we don't know what happened before they got married exactly. Yes, how they got engaged. I really would like to know though why she married him because I can't for the life of me figure it out. <laughs> yeah. 
Diana later reported that during this time her bulimia was horrible and she would make herself sick just two minutes after eating anything. This just keeps getting sad. This is so sad. Um, it gets it keeps getting worse and worse and just when you think it cannot get any worse it, it just does. By 1986 it's believed that Charles had fully resumed his relationship with Camilla. A taped phone call from 1989 was later leaked to the press in which Charles told Camilla he wished that he brace yourselves quote unquote quote lived in her knickers. Nothing could have prepared me for that. <laughs> is is this the British version of pillow talk? This <laughs> Can you imagine someone saying whispering this to you and your scr- skin not crawling? I don't know how Camila did not get the aches. Ew, this I got goosebumps. A bad way. Yes, a very bad way. This is so icky. Is is this the British version of pillow talk? I wish I could live in your knickers. <laughs> okay. Moving away from the creepy let's, dude. Let's pretend that that never happened. Yes, that it it didn't happen. That same year, Diana confronted Camila. Camila reportedly stood her ground telling Diana, "You've got everything you ever wanted." all the men in the world fall in love with you and you've got two beautiful children what more do you want reportedly diana famously responded i want my husband yeah girl get it girl go go um, that was a piss poor reaction but that was like, <laughs> that response was bad ass i mean i don't get why camila is still continuing Her affair with Charles, knowing that he's married, he has a family. Forget that. Did you see his pillow talk? Is so weird. And I still don't know why Camila is with him after that. Screw Camila. Why is Diana with him? Mm-hmm. I want I mean, my the- husband. Why? Love is blind. They say. I guess in this case cuz with his version of talking I don't know who's getting floored <laughs> I'm just getting the hippie jibbies I'm getting the aches and I never found this got like when I do So years later while speaking with the BBC an interviewer asked how she coped with everything Diana said she cried a lot and often, using her bulimia as a way to relieve some of the pressure. She also revealed that she was so depressed that at one point she tried to kill herself. Stuck in a very public, yet very unhappy marriage, Princess Diana began a relationship with Captain James Hewitt of the Queen's Household and Cavalry. I mean, sure. It's only fair that he's better than the prince. That's fair. 
and given everything she's going through that happened because of the royal family and the yeah. prince she's it's her right to it's not. justified yeah. go on live your love story <laughs> so by the late 80s Diana and Charles Malfoy problems became public knowledge and in December 1992 the prime minister announced the couple's amicable separation to the house of commons Charles and Diana officially divorced in August 1996 I know why it took them 4 years to divorce but okay what celebrating yeah girl celebrate the f off go to vegas or or anywhere there is that you go to celebrate live your life your feet yeah or wash them so a year after the divorce diana was on vacation in france with her partner dodi alfaid who according to the independent Diana had met in 1986 when he was playing in a polo match against her then husband Prince Charles. That's please, I love this power. <laughs> I mean, I can just, I love this. This is very satisfying. I know. What was she supposed to do? Date a loser? Nope. She's dating. No can do boo. Shortly after midnight on Sunday, August 31st, Alfred and Diana, along with bodyguard Trevor Reese Jones, left the Ritz Hotel in Paris. I'm going out of breath for some reason. Continue. Alfred's father owned the hotel, and the head of security there, Henry Paul, was driving the group in a Mercedes Benz, presumably to Alfred's palace, its estate. While approaching the entrance to a bridge, Paul lost control of the vehicle while being chased by paparazzi. Reportedly driving 70 miles per hour in a 30 mile per zone or 30 mile per hour zone, the Mercedes slammed into a pillar in the center of the highway. Diana, Alfred, and Paul were not wearing seatbelts. Paul and Alfred were pronounced dead at the scene, while Diana and Lee Jones were taken to the hospital. Many paparazzi who had been chasing the car chose to photograph the wreckage instead of trying to help the victims. Thank Lee you. Jones, that makes sense. That is helpful. The pictures right, instead right. of the actual people. You just you have made very good life decisions. I hope those paparazzi realize that. But that is annoying me a lot. And I do remember reading that the reason why Diana. was not wearing seat belt was because she was crouching to hide from said paparazzi who stood there taking pictures like idiots i hope so, you're proud of those decisions in your life if you're a life that is or that you could you could go that route as well yeah. the fire route. and then never go back again You can go that route. Lee <laughs> so, Jones survived, but Diana's injuries proved to be more severe. The princess was suffering from a concussion, a broken arm, a cut thigh, and massive chest injuries. 
Doctors operated for two hours but could not get the princess's heart to beat properly. Princess Diana passed away from internal bleed in the morning of August 31st. She was 36 years old and survived by her two sons, Prince William, age 15, and Prince Harry, age 12. On September 6, 1997, 2.5 billion people, that's billion with a B. Clearly, she was very well loved. Um, tuned in to watch the funeral procession for Princess Diana, one of the largest non-sporting television audiences ever. In the wake of her death, as can happen when the world struggles to come with terms with an unspeakable tragedy, conspiracy theories began to gain steam. Largely thanks to their publication in the Daily Express, rumors suggesting someone intentionally killed the princess swirled. In response, the Metropolitan Police launched Operation Packard to determine if any might have proved to them. Eventually, Operation Packard examined 175 theories. I mean, considering who the main suspect is in most of the theories, I don't think the Metropolitan Police can do much. So since we can't look into all 175 theories that were examined, it's time to check some of the most prevalent ones. So our first theory is that the driver, Henry Paul, was paid by security forces in either France or the UK to intentionally crash the car. This comes from reports that Paul seemingly had much more money than his salary could explain. Despite making only $35,000 a year, Paul had nearly $250,000 in his bank account and a significant amount of cash on him at the time of his death. The physical evidence, however, points not to malice but recklessness. The day after the crash, French authorities announced Paul's blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit, implying it was drunk driving, not an intended assassination that caused the crash. Conspiracy theorists tried to argue that Paul's body was swapped out with a drunk person to give the crash some cover. Skeptics also point to reports that no one saw Paul acting drunk despite the large amount of alcohol in the system. Okay, there are a lot of gap holes. Let's mm-hmm. let's first first thing is who's gonna take money for your for his own death? I mean he died. Yeah. So what am I going to do with that bribe money? Turn it into heaven box? Or a hell box? Because he killed somebody? I don't see the point in getting paid and then... What am I going to do with that money? I can't even access it. In second, if his blood alcohol level was three times, then... I don't know about you, but driving drunk is like one of my biggest fears. Like, it just... I can barely drive sober. I don't even know how to drive, but I just know that once I learn how to drive, I'm gonna be constantly anxious about it. Exactly, and if it's three times, then I mean, I've never been drunk, but I'm assuming you start to like sway a little perhaps. And then you would lose control over your body. And if no one saw Paul acting drunk, then maybe the conspiracists are not that far apart. Or maybe the and car just... The blood alcohol levels can be altered. I mean, the report is in your hands. Yeah. 
Yeah, the body is also in your hands. He probably was drunk, like a little bit more than the legal limit, but not enough to lose control in front of people. But while driving, it might have just happened something. I don't know how alcohol works. And then there's the question of why he was going 70 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour zone. I mean, if you're trying to outrun the paparazzi, they still caught up. So, don't really see the point. What was the point? Anyways, now that the gap holes in the first theory are done, let's look at the second one. The second conspiracy theory is that Diana was killed by the British state because she was supposedly pregnant with Alfred's child. This theory is spearheaded by Alfred's mother, Mohammed. Oh, sorry, not mother, father. <laughs> What is wrong with me? Mohammed. <laughs> um, Let's Alfred, not open that door. Who in 2008 told the British royal courts of justice why he was convinced of this narrative? Mohammed argues that the royal family would never accept the idea of Dodi, an Egyptian Muslim, possibly being the stepfather of the eventual king of England, and thus plotted to kill Diana, and therefore alleged half sibling, the alleged half sibling to the princess, who would succeed and become the kings later. Um, a lot to die. Doesn't seem yeah, to surprising. This was a surprising twist. Yeah, but hmm. I mean, there were technically a lot of other subjective points. I mean, that kid wouldn't be in the direct line to throne. He, I mean. Yeah. The prince is alive. His elder siblings are alive. So, and the royal family is known to live for a really long time. So, <laughs> they're alive for a while. So, killing her because she might be pregnant is is a little stretch. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know for sure that she's pregnant, why would they? Lot, but yeah. the fact that the royal family wouldn't accept the idea of a Muslim having a kid with someone who used to be a part of the royal family—that is, is believable. Yes, that is believable. Not very far stretch. Yeah. So, in the weeks before her death, some newspapers actually began to speculate that Diana was pregnant, especially after the princess made comments about a big surprise. Casting doubt. That could be thing. anything. Yeah, I mean, she could be getting a dog for all you know. She could be making some. I don't know. Starting some kind of organization. I know. Why does? Why is big surprise always connected with pregnancy? And weddings. Stop with that. It Stop could be that. anything. For all you know, she could be going back to teaching. Or she could be moving. Yeah. So casting doubt on this theory, however, was that Diana was not pregnant. A post-mortem examination and further blood tests all concluded Diana was not pregnant, 
and people close to the princess note that her menstrual cycle was normal at the time. She was using contraception and she had never mentioned of pregnancy to anyone. All of this can be covered up though. Yeah, technically anything can be covered up. Yeah. But I don't think so. Killing her because she was pregnant for a with a child who is like fourth or fifth in line. Hmm. I mean, he's not even fourth in line. He's way down. Yeah. I mean, it would be Charles, then William, then William's kids. <laughs> if all of those goes out, then Harry, then Harry's kids, and if that all goes out, then this dude. Yeah. Way down the line. And Queen Elizabeth is here to stay. you got to stay alive to take the throne mm. them royals do not give up the throne very easily yeah so the next theory is surrounding um that her, that her medical care was intentionally sabotaged this theory took root after reports emerged that Diana was treated at the scene by emergency crews before being transported to the hospital Has she been taken to a hospital before treatment began? Skeptics argue, perhaps she could have been saved. This theory appears rooted in differences between UK and French emergency protocols. While the UK prioritizes getting injured victims to a hospital as quickly as possible, French emergency crews are trained to do treatment on the scene before transporting a person to the hospital. This theory would also require a large amount of expert doctors and caregivers to break their ethical laws. as well as lie about doing so most doctors also agree that no matter the treatment it would have been practically impossible for diana to survive her injuries in 2019 britain's top forensic pathologist dr richard shepherd revealed that the final cause of diana's death was a badly placed tear in a vein in her lung according to dr shepherd her specific injury is so rare that in my entire career i don't believe i've seen another By the way, she wasn't wearing a seat belt because she was trying to duck the paparazzi at the time. Yeah. So basically, the hmm. paparazzi wasn't chasing them. Being so Nazi, she could have been alive. Yes. Maybe like had to go through a lot of medical care because of her injuries, but the seat like she might have had some injuries and had to go through. Technically, so the paparazzi wasn't so crazy. Dude wouldn't be speeding, and the car wouldn't have crashed anyways. Yeah. Or the fact that after the car crashed, the paparazzi kept on taking pictures, but did not think of calling an ambulance. This is. This theory is. I'm um, not sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the the delay that was caused due to treating her on scene could have proved to be fatal, but. I mean, the doctor did say it was a very yeah, specific injury. So maybe no, the paparazzi was definitely to blame. Definitely, definitely. They have some role. Like, if they were chasing them and being disrespectful, they were involved indirectly. Yeah, they didn't say. intend to kill her. I'm sure. Invasive. 
yeah i mean forget the fact that they were chasing her car even after the car crashed you continued to take pictures the fact that you really just wanted would chase a car to the pointers going over the speed limit just to get pictures isn't it just very disrespectful no and after you see a car crash call for help no i mean literally all you have to do is pick your phone up make a quick call tell them it's an accident continue take taking pictures. pictures if you're so desperate for them give a call it takes like 2 minutes at the most tell them there's a car crash this is the address you might want to hurry up cuz the princess is inside i right, i'm a go now cuz i'm an idiot and i got to take pictures i'll call to someone that you need. just call the police because i'm busy taking pictures of people yeah if they had kept their personal agenda aside yeah we could have had more pictures of her yeah of a lie not in the car blocking from the paparazzi that was implied i'm sorry if if you didn't get that yeah yes we meant pictures of her alive you could have seen her gracefully age yep and like charlie who did not gracefully age not his karma is hitting him <laughs> Our final conspiracy theory is the only one that has a ring of truth to it. That Diana predicted her own untimely death. Ten months before her death, Diana gave a letter to the former butler for safekeeping. In the letter, she wrote, "Quote: This particular phase in my life is the most dangerous. The doctor is planning an accident in my car, brake failure, and serious head injury in order to make the path for, path clear for Charles to marry." End quote. On April 9th, 2005, seven years after Diana's death, Prince Charles married Camilla Papagos, who was now her royal highness, the Duchess of Cornwall. Well, this is shocking. If they had just agreed to getting them married before. I mean, you you married later on, anyways. I know. How? Why did you let them get married later on after Diana's death? One hour before he even met Diana, you took such a long cut, and for no reason, you cost three people their lives, mm-hmm. and, and one person ruined so many more. Yeah, and the two William and Harry lost their mom. Yeah, and an apparent accident, and the. Bodyguard, he probably had to suffer with like permanent injuries. The guilt, yeah, and the guilt, and the guilt. I mean, she didn't technically predict her death. It was a car accident, but it wasn't brake failure, and she didn't die of serious head injury. But, she but it's still weird that she she knew that her death was close. Yeah, or that. They would try to like frame her in a way that she would. Yeah, I don't know who redacted is. I mean, we all know who redacted is, but we won't say that officially. 
because i would like to go see a one direction concert if if you all don't mind <laughs> so diana's worries about being murdered were exacerbated by the fact that she believed her former bodyguard and lover badmanki was similarly assassinated in a car crash In 2004, NBC aired a video featuring Diana talking about her affair affair with Manaki, describing him as "quote the greatest love I've ever had." It was all found out, and he was chucked out. Then he was killed. I think he was bumped off. End quote. This is so sad. Mm-hmm. She knew it was coming. The royal family just doesn't let anyone have peace. Live happy. Yeah. They did let the grandson live happy. Um, did they do? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta gotta put on the conspiracy theorist glasses. Did yeah. they do? So after like examining one seventy five different theories surrounding the princess's princess's death, Operation Pivot concluded none of none had any basis in reality. Determining the crash was, after all, a tragic accident. Diana, if you the, say so. Diana, if you say so. <laughs> Diana was beloved the world over, both as an advocate for the sick and the oppressed, and as a role model for women everywhere. In a 1995 interview with the BBC, Diana tried to explain the antagonism she'd faced while part of the royal family. I think every strong woman in history has to walk down a similar path, and I think it's the strength that causes the confusion and the fear. Why is she strong? Where does she get it from? Where is she taking it? Where is she going to use it? End quote. Unfortunately, in the case of Diana, Princess of Wales, the answer to those questions are hidden. We won't know them. This is probably the saddest episode. We've ever done. If Diana was still alive, this world would have been such a better place. I know. She really was this like bright personality. Yeah, I mean, you can look at her and you can feel the good vibes coming towards you. Just your picture. <laughs> From a time yeah, she she really did speak about a lot of topics that yeah. were. like they were in a way shunned in during that age like eating disorders and all that i don't recall anyone else speaking so openly about that anyone mm. from the royal family yes and even though I mean, they're still that, not spoken about the fact that there was the stigma that aids spreads through touch and then she shook the hand of a person who had aids without gloves She oh, was educated and she was wasn't ignorant. She was the people's princess. Yes. So like a very apt title. Yeah. Like even though getting entangled with the royal family ended up with her death, she still had the platform to become a role model and. She had that exposure. Yeah, and like me to have the chance to look up to her. Now, I guess that's the private time to look at the good and the bad right now. 
So yeah, that's, that's something we should focus on. Yeah. The fact that yeah, her life did end in a tragedy, but she was able to do some good. Yeah. She was able to become this this icon and this beacon of hope. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To know more about VNJ, click on the link in the description box and don't forget to leave us a comment. Stay tuned for more mystifying conversations with us every Saturday right here on Illuminati.